say hello to a new friend. Hey, good morning, everyone. On road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. It's coffee with Jim. Come along January 22nd, 2023. Jim Hinckley's We are glad to see that Mr. Nolan Stoltz is with us this morning. Jim We're going to be talking about you, Mr. Nolan. For those of you who are watching this on YouTube, you can see that we've got a few lighting issues, but we're here. Starting our day off with a little bit of music from Joe, Woody, and the boys of the road crew. Roadcrew66.com. Uh, great road trip inspiring tunes, to say the very least. Really grateful for that. Miss Maggie, all the way from Michigan. Mr. Daniel Resch, California. Gosh, we got a full house going here this morning. Very good. Hey, um... Before we get started, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, in answer to your questions, it's winter in Arizona. I had a dusting of snow the other day. And here at the Jim Hinckley's America Studios, within spitting distance of Route 66, it is a balmy 27 degrees. And for somebody like me, who happens to uh, look for their long underwear when it gets below 80 degrees, you can imagine how I'm doing with this. Okay. Today, as promised, we're going to talk about uh, stories behind the towns. Uh, Route 66 has become, uh, gosh, you know, I'm not even sure of the words, because technically the highway doesn't exist. It hasn't officially since about 1985. But an argument could easily be made that today it's more popular than any time in its history. Uh, the problem is... People have a tendency to see things myopically. They see things in the context of neon and tail fins. And they forget that Route 66 is much more than that. It, it, it's, it's a, to put it uh, simply, it's a, it's a connection between the past, the present, and even the future. And the, uh, that was the concept, giving thought to this, that people go through places like Glen Rio. It's a great photo stop, and it's an interesting place, but they don't realize that there's a story behind just these photo ops. There's a really deep and rich history in these communities, uh, even the ghost towns. So what I tried to do in a book that was released last year, I wrote this during the apocalypse years, and it was released last year. It's a little hardcover book called Here We Are on Route 66. and uh, it's got good reviews, and it's gotten surprising flack from some uh, people who are passionate about Route 66, and I, I understand that because it's selective. Uh, I did not go and profile every town on the road. Just not possible. Uh, when I wrote the Route 66 encyclopedia, with the best information I had at the time, I wrote just a succinct summary of uh, the history of some of these places along Route 66. But uh, there's more, much more. I couldn't go into a lot of context. And that was the idea behind this book. I wanted to profile some of these Route 66 communities 
And I wanted to show them as uh, that connection, a bridge between the past and the future. The stop in the middle at the present. Uh, I got to give a shout out, and Mr. Nolan Stoltz is with us this morning. Nolan, you know, if you'd like to uh, call in, please feel free. But, uh, and chime in, please. Mr. Nolan Stoltz, my research has been uh, good, better than average, but uh, there's a lot of room for uh, improvement because I was working under time constraints with editorial constraints. But Mr. Nolan Stoltz is with us, and he has a, a Patreon page and uh, crowd-supported, crowdfunding-supported research project for his uh, Route 66 suite that is being written. But uh, I got to give a shout out to Mr. Nolan, whether he's with us or not this morning, I would have to say this, this fella digs deep. And I, I've joked with Nolan quite a few times about this. He has discovered towns that I didn't even know were towns on Route 66. And I tease him about Mud College, Oklahoma. Absolutely one of my best. Uh, that one makes me smile. But he's found some incredible history. And uh, if you uh, pledge a bit of support to Mr. Nolan on his uh, Patreon crowdfunding page, you'll get access to some incredible videos and well-researched stories, something I highly recommend. Today, uh, let's start with McLean, Texas. McLean, for Route 66 enthusiasts, has the dubious distinction of being the last uh, Route 66 community in Texas to be bypassed. Uh, that was uh, 1984, diminutive McLean had the dubious distinction. It was the last panhandle town to be bypassed by I-40. And it seems like in just in an instant, the never-ending stream of traffic that flowed through town on First Street and Railroad Street slowed to a trickle. And if you've seen the movie Cars, the uh, animated film, this gives you an idea. Radiator Springs, the town just withered and died. Needless to say, not having hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of vehicles flow through town had a devastating impact on the town's economy. As of 2019, the population of McLean was 939 people. That's kind of a decline from 1940 when the population was just a hair over 1,500 people. And the town is so fascinating. Let's say you drive through, you take a photograph of the wonderful Phillips 66 station. Great photo up. Uh, kudos to Angela Moreland. She's putting together the uh, 1956 Cactus Inn Motel. Next door is the Red River Steakhouse. This is all really good, but it's kind of like a, a good soup. If you just skim from the top, it's tasty. But the good stuff's in the bottom. McLean has a direct connection with the sinking of the Titanic. Uh, and that takes us to the Devil's Rope Museum. That's a museum dedicated to the history of barbed wire. And that museum is housed in a former Brazier factory. The Brazier factory led to McLean proudly proclaiming itself the uplift capital of the world. And they have a small display there about Titanic artifacts. We'll get to that in just a second. 
this building with the barbed wire museum also houses and exhibits from the Texas Route 66 Museum. And uh, really, really a fascinating museum. The most intriguing thing to me about the Devil's Rope Museum, a museum dedicated barbed wire, it was actually interesting. Alfred Rowe was a brilliant uh, fellow. He had a colorful background. He was born to British parents in Peru. He was educated in England. And then after extensive agricultural studies, he traveled to Texas with plans of establishing a ranch. And to learn the trade from the ground up, he worked as a cowboy for the legendary Charles Goodnight. And after acquiring vast land holdings, he established the 200,000 acre R.O. Ranch. It was the largest ranch in the Texas Panhandle at the time. And he was partnered with his brothers, Vincent and Bernard. After the Choctaw, Oklahoma, and Texas Railroad established a switchyard and section house with a well, Rowe donated adjoining lands that were officially plotted as a town site on December 3rd, 1902. The town was named in honor of William Pinckney McLean, a hero of the War of Texas Independence and the state's first railroad commissioner. In 1901, Rowe married Constant Ethel Kingsley, a cousin of the British author, author Charles Kingsley. In 1910, he moved his family to England and left Jack Hall to manage the ranch, keep its records. Rowe often returned uh, twice a year to visit the ranch and to take care of related business. In April 1912, Rowe booked passage on the maiden voyage of, you guessed it, the Titanic. His body was recovered by the cable ship McKay Bennett, transferred, transported back to England and interred in Liverpool. The Rowe family ran the ranch until 1917, and it was sold to W.J. Lewis. Rowe and Kingsley Streets in McLean are tangible links to the family's association with the town. In the old Rowe Cemetery, located south of McLean, in the former town of Rowe, is another link to their association with the Panhandle. By 1910, McLean was a thriving community. The business district included three general mercantile stores, a bank, a newspaper, several blacksmith shops, livery stables. The economy was diversified with petroleum-related businesses and a service industry that met the needs of travelers on the Ozark Trails Highway that connected St. Louis, Missouri with Las Vegas, New Mexico. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, this segment of the economy boomed, of course, after certification of Route 66 in 1926. In 1929, Phillips Petroleum opened one of the company's first stations in the panhandle of Texas in McLean. The cottage tile station was uh, remained in operation until 1977. Renovation of the st uh, station's exterior to its original appearance has made it a favored photo stop for Route 66 travelers. I got a great sunset picture from there in uh, our trip in October. I'll get that up and share it with you on our website. In September of 1942, construction of the McLean Permanent Alien Internment Camp east of town commenced. This POW camp for German troops captured during battles in North Africa remained operational through July 1945. 
Yeah, Mr. Nolan, can you hear us? Well, there you are, Nolan. Uh, did we lose Nolan? Oh, you don't hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Mr. Nolan. How are you doing today? Oh, half awake. <laughs> half awake. It's better than not awake. Oh, thank you for calling in. Can everybody hear Nolan okay? Very good. Hey, Mr. Nolan, I'm so glad you're with us today because we're talking about these obscure places like McLean, Texas, Glen Rio, Texas, but you have really gone above and beyond. And I tell you, your posts always intrigue me. Uh, your level of research between you and Blue Miller, mm-hmm. but uh, your videos. And uh, I know I've talked a lot and teased you a bit about Mud College, but man, you just got to love places like that. Whether the the um, McLean, um, not the the Devil's Rope Museum, but the other museum in town, they have a lot of nice old pictures. And I discovered that McLean and in uh, I think it was 1929 they formed maybe maybe even 1926 or seven so pretty early the town had a band uh, <coughs> connections you know when you start looking into the history of these little some of these one of the things that surprises me some of these rural towns especially in the west and southwest it is amazing how uh Modern, I guess you could say, the modern amenities that some of these towns enjoyed is pretty surprising. What kind of, I have to ask this, what kind of uh, businesses did Mud College, how how big was that place? How big did it ever get? I don't think there was much other than the school. I haven't found any references to any businesses. So hmm. I think it is the Mud College was named after that after the school. And I think they just referred to it that way. I Was there a post office? No. So it was never officially a, a town um, with a post office, but that doesn't, that doesn't ever really mean much because if you're close enough to, to another town that has a post office, there's not necessarily a need. No, it, but the post office usually is indicative of some sort of uh, population. It's yeah. uh, one of the, my favorite. One of so my good. favorites that I uncovered was uh, uh, Needles, Arizona. Uh, we call it Topak today, but it's a really great conflicted story that Topak uh, originally uh, started as the town of Needles, Arizona Territory. Uh, they had a post office. The place kind of withered on the vine as the railroad continued across the river building the bridge construction. They, the post office was discontinued in Needles, Arizona Territory. Uh, a new town sprang up on the Colorado side of the river, and that became Needles, California. And then they, for a while, they kind of fought over the post office because Topak started growing again, and they wanted to be known as Needles. Kind of a odd thing. Uh, one of your discoveries, Nolan, was Brooklyn. Um, Illinois. Yep. Uh, that one, can you share a bit of that story? Well, it's allegedly the first all black town and black owned town in the United States. 
this um, dates back to pre-Civil War uh, era because it was a safe haven for escaped slaves. They'd come across the Mississippi River and hide. The, there's a church right off of Route 66. I mean, it's only maybe 100 feet off of Route 66. Um, there's a church there, and that's a confirmed stop on the Underground Railroad. A lot of history there. It only sixty six only went through Brooklyn for about seven years, but there's no reference to it anywhere. There's no signs that uh, now there's no signs that direct you that 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 used to be sixty six. It's just one of those forgotten bits of sixty six and overlooked towns. Now that's near uh, just north of East St. Louis. Is that correct? Yes. So it's just south of Venice, and yeah, so it's between uh, Venice and East St. Louis. What? Uh, how was the town affected by the the, uh, the race riots there in East St. Louis? Any idea? Um, I don't. I don't know, but I assume probably not as much, or at least maybe that w- that would have been a, a safer place for blacks to be, because it it, it was always p- predominantly a black town. Yeah. <sighs> I was just curious. I, I I know that was kind of a just a, a random thought because the uh, the race riots there in East St. Louis uh, f- that people fled in numbers, and uh, just curious. Uh, there's no there's there's always and there still are many churches there. I mean, there's only about nine hundred people that live there, and there are several churches. I I, I couldn't even count them. Hmm. Well, what, what, uh, do you have a favorite place that you've located or found? You were, you were sharing one from New Mexico recently that, that kind of intrigued me. Yeah. Doretta, New Mexico. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's, boy, that's, an, uh, that's a place where the folks that live there now didn't even know it was called <laughs> Doretta. Um, it's just one of those places that it loses its identity because, well, the post office closed and then the, the mail goes to another town, Serafina, and everyone just refers to it as Serafina. But when 66 came through, it was known as Doretta. So there you have it. So it's not really a ghost town because people still live there. But the fact that it was at one time called Doretta is, makes it, I think, uh, a ghost town. You know, I, I that's kind of stretch. That's a, a point of contention uh, among folks, and you're familiar with with contention. Uh, I see some of the comments that are made and different things that you encounter. When I wrote Ghost Towns of Route 66, I, I stretched the point quite a lot on some of these towns, and uh, of course, a ghost town is population zero. But to me, a town that's lost its identity or uh, faded rather dramatically. You know, it kind of constitutes ghost town in my book. Yeah. I think of though a place that's always been small, I don't really consider a ghost. Um, like maybe Halltown, Missouri, for yeah, instance. You know, is that a lot of people consider that a ghost town, but, you know, it's the population has remained small all the time. Then maybe you can look at are there significantly less businesses now yes that's probably the case so there's so many factors you can you can look at Um, yeah 
some of these towns, you know, when you start getting into the history of these places, uh, it's surprising their obscurity, especially along Route 66, because there's, people are so obsessed with Route 66. They, they've done so much research on Route 66. And for these towns to get overlooked like this, like Brooklyn, mm-hmm. uh, I find that kind of odd. Well, <laughs> there it's Brooklyn isn't the most attractive town on the road. Um, there's there's a lot of crime there. Uh, there's a lot of strip clubs there. So I think sometimes when a, a place has um, a bad reputation, well, Brooklyn these days is kind of known as like the party place, you know, late night for St. Louis area. And so I don't, I think a lot of people like to, you know, sweep those sorts of things under the rug and not talk about them. But, you know, during the day, it's just like any other town, really. Um, so why not take a drive through Brooklyn or why not take that 1929 to 1936 alignment, whatever the years were? You know, you know, it's funny. Like I say, it, it, it intrigues me some of the comments, too. You, uh, people almost take offense when you come up with something new, something different. And But like I said, I'm really surprised the obscurity, even like, like, like Brooklyn, when you can think that people become uh, – I, I realize they're a small contingent of the Route 66 community, but people become, for lack of a better word, just uh, anal on some of this. I, I was at an event in California some years back and I stared in disbelief as four or five people got together with their little Tupperware box type boxes filled with broken asphalt. And I, I was watching these people and a fellow pulls out this piece of asphalt. that's kind of reddish with stones in it. And these other guys got excited. Oh, that's from the pre 1930 alignment over by Ash Fork, Arizona. And I'm thinking, how how deep do you go down this obsessive hole when you can recognize asphalt from different alignments? Uh, that's that's pretty pretty obsessive. Oh, <laughs> uh, I've been talking with Candace Taylor a bit, and I I got to mention Brooklyn to her, see if she's familiar with uh, Brooklyn. But Candace, uh, of course, uh, she wrote the book Overground uh, Railroad. And she's done extensive re- research on sundown towns and uh, uh, the Green Book locations. Well, uh, I assume that Br- Brooklyn would probably be a uh, stop for African-American travelers. Were there any businesses that you know of listed in the Green Book? No. Um, I, I think the, the closest ones... Might have been in St. Louis. I can't even think of any in Venice. Come to think of it, hmm. at that time, um, that area was pretty quiet. There wasn't much going on. There was a sort of re- revitalization in the fifties with the um, blues scene, um, but when the time '66 came through there, that was, I think, if I recall correctly, 1929 and 1936. So there wasn't much going on, as far as I know. And those were the years 29 through 36 that uh, yeah. 66 went through town. Yeah. yeah. So what it was is I um, used to go for the first few years over McKinley bridge um, out of Venice. 
rerouted to go south down to East St. Louis and then across the bridge there. Uh, and then in 36, it got rerouted just a little bit to the east. It went through Madison and then down to. So Brooklyn got bypassed uh, pretty early on. Yeah. You know, so, uh, some of those towns, uh, the one, see, there's the one in Oklahoma was one of the first to be bypassed. Gosh, name escapes me. Oh, Depew. Depew. You know, that is an absolutely fascinating little town with, with a surprisingly colorful and violent history. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever uh, wandered around Depew very much. No. Uh, I know that violent history. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, there was a couple good, uh, a couple good bank robberies that were pretty interesting there. Uh, there was a shooting at the hotel that was was uh, pretty interesting, and the Kimes brothers. They're kind of overlooked a bit, but they were some really, really ruthless Depression era gangsters, and uh, they robbed the bank there in Depew and shot and killed a couple people. And for such a small town, it's really surprising. The there's there's some great landmarks. That beautiful old gas station in Depew. I don't know if you have you seen that. Oh, on the west side, I think. Uh, when you take the uh, the highway, originally came in kind of a U shape, came into town through town and down the other side of the hill. And uh, right downtown, there's a beautiful uh, 1920ish. A gas station and garage complex. It's been abandoned for for decades. Yeah, I think it's on like on the southwest side or something. Somewhere in there, yeah. Mentioned this in your uh, Murder and Mayhem book. I yeah, I did. Yeah, so, I'll be honest. Like I started reading it when I was on the road. I'm like, oh man, I'm getting all paranoid when I'm in these places. So I, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna read this when I get back home. That was a Murder and Mayhem on the Main Street of America was a tough book to write. Because people have a tendency to see Route 66 as America's longest theme park. And nobody wants to find out that Goofy is an axe murderer at Disneyland. And uh, I tried to to not go too dark because there were some, well, just like today. I mean, people are always people. But I found some stories that were just absolutely mind-boggling. Uh, down near uh, Topak from, I think it was uh, 37, 8, 9, and 40. Uh, on six different occasions, they found luggage uh, or what they called um, carpet bags with body parts along the highway uh, mm-hmm. down there. Totally unsolved as far as I know. On, on two of the occasions, they were heads. And, uh, yeah, kind of unnerving. Hey, Nolan, uh, if people want to find you on Patreon, how would they do that? Patreon.com slash Route 66 Suite, S-U-I-T-E. I, I, I highly recommend it. I, 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 I'm so impressed with your research. Between you and Blue Miller, I'll tell you. <coughs> Your research is is fascinating, and the stuff you got you you turn up just intrigues intrigues the daylights out of me. 
Thank you very much. It really piques my interest, and uh, it goes. To the more the older I get, the more I I learn. The more I realize how little I know, and uh, you help reinforce that. Well, you know, there's there's things that I mean, we all have our different interests. You know, I love old theaters. You know, I'm going to concerts and things, and so. You know, that's an area that's fairly under-researched as, as far as connections to Route 66 go. Um, other, you know, Jim Ross is really into bridges. He's got that Route 66 bridges book. That's really research. So I, I think when you piece together different people's uh, personal interests and how they uh, interact with Route 66, then you get a, a more complete picture. Yeah, less one-dimensional. And Ross's book on... Uh on uh bridges is is phenomenal it's it's just it's just incredible uh your work on theaters has been really intriguing me too buildings that used to be theaters that are not theaters i will send you a link or some pictures uh gosh i'm trying to remember the name of the town in illinois that i discovered uh recently on this last trip little time capsule town about 60 miles east of uh hannibal missouri uh that they have a, a just a simple farming town theater that's been in continuous operation since 1916. it was one family owned uh until 2020 and the last remodel was 1930 and it, it's a it's just amazing uh the uh marquee was added in 1930 the cigarette the uh popcorn machine all the lobby was done in 1930 these beautiful little clamshell lights over the restrooms men and women all date to that 1930 remodel and in the cellar he moved it down there they have the original arc light projector from uh 1916. quite a quite an amazing little place and right across the street is a garage and you can see it used to it's one of those garages that had a gas station with, under the canopy kind of a, a triangle sat on the corner and right above it is a capstone that says a uh, ford 1926 uh, 1926 ford dealership right across from the theater you know i discovered that groom texas had a theater really yes you know very small town and yeah there's no information online about uh, this, these theaters. I found it in old issues of the Groom News, which has now been digitized, so you can find it online. But if you were to Google these theaters, you would never find any information. Yeah, this is the Bluebird Theater, closed in 1929, meaning it would have been a uh, um, silent movie theater, right? And then you got to wonder, well, did they... Well, they probably didn't have an organ. You know, that's too expensive. Uh, but they probably had a piano or something. But then I wonder, well, who was the pianist? Or was it completely silent? Like, what did they do? I I have no idea, but I'm quite curious. And then later on, they, they had a theater, uh, like in th 30s into the 50s. Hmm. I, you know, make new discoveries all the time. I was in Tucumcari this last October. And everybody knows about the Odin Theater, uh, dates to the mid-1930s there. Uh, but there is another theater, been closed for decades. And uh, 
it's a beautiful art deco type theater dates to the teens and apparently uh i did a, not a lot of research but a bit sometime in the around 30 32 period the facade and everything was redone upgraded and uh so just an absolutely beautiful art deco theater been closed for decades did you know about that one there the princess theater princess theater yes 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 before that uh there was an opera house i think it might have even been in the same space and they had like boxing matches and all sorts of stuff so you can go really far back it started getting into the entertainment uh on these small towns uh when i was doing the research for the uh historic district narrated historic district walking tour here in kingman i knew about the sump bar under the hotel beale in the barber shop and uh i found i years ago i learned i, I talked to louis lamour's son about this louis lamour worked um, the, uh, the the writer he worked at the catherine mines outside of kingman down towards the colorado river and he had a short-lived amateur boxing career which he started here in kingman and apparently there was a boxing ring down at the sump bar in the basement of the beal and uh the legend for quite some time was that, that he did uh just a fun kind of sparring match with jack dempsey uh well i got d digging around rooting around for information on this walking tour i did not confirm that uh lamour and dempsey went a few rounds at the, the hotel beal but i did confirm that dempsey did stay at the hotel beale on several occasions during the same period hmm. little tidbits uh do you use newspaper archives for a lot of your research um yeah i probably should pony up and get a subscription to newspapers.com but usually if you search and find the ocr data you can find what you need without it yeah. uh, but that'll probably be the next step of getting deeper <laughs> which maybe we need to do at this time and start doing yeah. the actual music <laughs> well we're excited about uh, your suite we have uh, uh danny resch with us here online uh with us this morning and uh, danny has uh, uh boy i tell you he has got uh, quite a skill set with uh organ piano and uh I think he'd find your your research quite fascinating, as well as the suite that you're that you're creating. Nolan, I really appreciate you chiming in this morning. And uh, when's your next Route sixty six adventure? Um, probably um, officially May fifteenth. That's because when my uh, contract for the year ends. But I might start a little bit early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I hope I hope our paths cross again this year. I always enjoy our visits and uh, got some new places to share with you. Uh, speaking of the Princess Theater, I should give a shout out to our, it's one of our sponsors is the city of Tucumcari. And it's a great town. Uh, visit Tucumcari NM is their website. And uh, there again, don't, don't be myopic. Route, Route 66 in Tucumcari. It's interesting. It's great motels, the Roadrunner Lodge, yeah, wonderful neon. But take some time to wander down into the old part of Tucumcari. I don't think you'll regret it. And I, I, it's great to park down at the depot and walk around. There's, there's some really fascinating things down there to discover, like the Princess Theater.
Do you uh, ever, one last question, Nolan, do you ever get a chance, uh, opportunity to get into some of these old theaters or that's been closed? The Odeon actually gave me a, a little tour. They heard I was coming into town and uh, they opened it, opened it up and brought Connie and Ron Warnick and they uh, got uh, brought Rob and Don from the Blue Swallow and we all kind of hung out and then they turned on the neon uh so yeah i got a nice little two before uh before it was open they weren't finished with the renovations um it's pretty awesome but you know i mean we were and we were talking about this about what would a would a route 66 traveler come come there of course they would uh you know where where would they stay you know what along route 66 has existed in 1926 well they probably stayed in the downtown area right and what are they going to do for entertainment? Where are they going to get their news? Probably at the theater, right? So yeah. these are definitely Route 66. Um, uh, what's the word? I'm <laughs> Attractions, but they're not on Route 66 because, of course, travelers well, don't just stay on the road. It's not well, this is uh, one thing I'm really glad that you, uh, uh, your research, this is something I've always tried to do with all my presentations and books is add depth and context because we get so, I worry sometimes communities and travelers, I, I don't say, I shouldn't say worry about it, but they, they, they cheapen their adventure by getting so myopic, so narrow-minded, they can look down a beer bottle with both eyes. They just see Route 66. They see neon tail fins, and they that's it. And there's so much more to this. Uh, I've been talking with a fellow, and I, I did a bit of research on this, on vintage car dealerships along Route 66. And there's one in Pasadena on Colorado Boulevard that is just absolutely a masterpiece. Uh, uh, Packard Automobiles, to, to be brief, Packard Automobiles had a trademark grill shape and there was a california baroque style in the 1920s uh blending baroque and spanish styling this dealership on colorado boulevard the showroom window mimicked the shape of the of the trademark packard grill but it was trimmed in this beautiful baroque styling and the facade of that dealership is all intact from the 1920s and uh the last time i was through there it was a carpet sales store but uh I know the building you're talking about. I didn't realize it was modeled after the Packard Grill. Yeah, it was a it was a Packard uh, dealership there. It's a, a Howard Motor Company, I believe it was. Really, really interesting. Nolan, I, I sure appreciate you chiming in this morning. Thank you. And uh, does anybody have any questions? I know we're running a little bit late today, but that's the advantage of doing what we want. Uh <laughs> We're, we're, no, no, we're not beholden to any networks. We can uh, continue with Mayberry Television or, if you prefer, Hee Haw, Charlie Farkason. Uh, here we are. you have any questions for, uh, for me or Nolan? Let's see what we got here. Uh, we... Uh, We've got some great things coming up uh, you're going to really like. On uh, February 5th, I believe it is, we're going to have Greg Hassman as our guest. 
Greg is a pun master for one thing, so this should be entertaining. But he has a great passion for road trips, a passion for talking with fascinating and interesting people. And uh, he's a talented photographer, and he has a way of turning a phrase. He's a pretty gifted writer. That's going to be really good. And uh, my big surprise, I have to announce this one, is March 19th. I know that's a little bit away, but we got time to get an audience. Uh, Stephanie Stuckey is going to join me. We're going to talk about Stuckey's. And uh, for some of us old farts, uh, Stuckey's has fond memories of uh, stops during epic family road trips when we were uh, unleashed from the back seat for a little while to run rampant, get ramped up on sugar with a peanut uh, pecan log. Uh, but I digress. Uh, Nolan, thank you so very much. And uh, folks, I want to thank everybody for joining us this morning. And well, you know, I hope you guys can join us again next week. Invite your friends. And like I say, this is kind of somewhere between Mayberry Television and Charlie Farkson on Hee Haw. But, but uh, we're getting better with this. We just keep working away on it. And I act like I know what I'm doing and try to have some fun in the process. Nolan, I'm really indebted. Thank you for this morning. And uh, uh, thanks for sharing some of this. And I hope it inspires some road trips, encourages people to do a bit of research and digging and i hope it encourages people to eh, turn left at the stop sign once in a while instead of just running a straight line down the highway my friends until next week well i'll let you go and uh well we'll see you next week invite your friends and player on our website for this as well as car talk from the main street of america that's our automotive podcast it's a recorded program and it is uh posted on friday mornings and we talk about inspirational people like uh, eddie stinson and the blind inventor of cruise control and we talk about the auto industry the past, the present, and the future of the auto industry. A lot of fun. So join us. Uh, like I say, you can find us on Spotify and all the major podcast platforms. And like I say, on our website, jimhinkleysamerica.com. We're also sharing uh, all kinds of events people are sending us are on the website. And we're updating our list weekly on recommended locations. Great travel planning portal. Until next week, my friends, via con Dios. Adios. Nolan, take care. Take care. See you Bye-bye. in May. You bet. Bye-bye.